I'm Kevin, and you're listening to Jean-Luc and Me, Episode 10. I've written my next poem in honor of my cat. I call it Ode to Spot. Felis catus is your taxonomic nomenclature, an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature. Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute to your hunting skill and natural defenses. I find myself intrigued by your subvocal oscillations, a singular development of cat communications that obviates your basic hedonistic predilection for a rhythmic stroking of your fur to demonstrate affection. A tail is quite essential for your acrobatic talents. You would not be so agile if you lacked its counterbalance. And when not being utilized to aid in locomotion, it often serves to illustrate the of your emotion. The complex levels of behavior you display connote a fairly well-developed cognitive array, and though you are not sentient and do not comprehend, I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend. Today's episode, Haven. And what the hell just happened? So first, a retraction from last week. I said I was happy about uh, the moment between Jordy and Tasha because they'd slept together in the Naked Now. Uh, that was, of course, not Jordy. That was Data. I was confusing my machine men. And so that moment was not, in fact, continuity, but rather just more bad dude writing. Come on, dudes. We gotta write better than this. We're embarrassing ourselves in front of the chicks. Oh, good for you! And how was it? I did not like this episode. It had a problem that I've been noticing in this first season of Next Generation, which is a weird sort of contradictory problem, that there is at once too much going on, but not enough happening. Uh, you've got the Haven planet you're going to. There was the whole Turalian, uh the ancient war thing. And then there was the marriage, and there was it was a love story... But it was also like a tragedy story about the Talarians. None of them alone is really an acceptable story. Like, usually when you do A and B plots, both of them can sort of stand on their own as a story. Maybe not for 42 minutes, but the beats, the arc, the beginning, the middle, the end. They're, they're a story, even without the other one. And maybe you draw some thematic parallels that kind of help the emotion of it, but, but just the mechanics of each story make it a full story. The other option is to have them crash down in the end into a single story, and that's kind of what they tried to do here, but it didn't work. I guess I can get into some specifics, but before I do that, I just want to say that uh, Star Trek love stories are generally not great, the one-episode love stories especially, I tried not to let that color my perception. Uh, maybe I failed, maybe I succeeded. Ultimately, I think this episode speaks for itself in that it was not very good. And on top of that, I'm kind of tired of main character who likes another main character has an arranged marriage show up out of nowhere, especially in sci-fi. Granted, this is an older example than some of the ones I'm thinking of in my head, but still, arranged marriage episode... Didn't we even do this back in 66 with Spock and Kirk and the... Da, 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 da. But, yeah, on, on to my specifics. The face in the box. It's a face in a box. Did not like that. That was freaky in all the wrong ways. That's not romantic. It's kind of going to keep me up at night, but once again, not in a romantic way. 
And that sort of brings me to the specific problem with this arranged marriage. It doesn't fit the Betazoid gimmick, as we understand it. As it's even presented in this episode, with things like the head in a box, and and even just locks on his character. Are you guys whimsical telepaths? Or are you authoritarian old heads? Because authoritarian old heads, like the Vulcans were, like it made sense in that instance, sort of. Authoritarian old heads have arranged marriages. Whimsical free spirit telepaths? What's that doesn't, it's not clicking with me? It doesn't make sense. I mean, for God's sakes, they've got arranged marriages, but then the ceremony's done naked. Like, what kind of combination of weird prudishness and over-sexuality is that? I can't even wrap my head around it. And then the mother of the fiancé finds all of this romantic, and that she says, Oh, I knew romance was still alive somewhere. Not on, not on civilized earth where we just let anyone love anyone and don't judge anybody and give everyone their space and it's very modern and there's no gender roles and everyone decides for themselves and consents. No, no, no. This old school bullshit we got rid of on Earth centuries ago, this is real romance. And it's weird in this show. Just because we're being presented with this perfect earth, this perfect human race, and here this chick is pining for the sexist old days. What are you doing? Gene? Roddenberry? I'm blaming you for some reason? I don't know. And it was just, I mean... It was a lot of uh, hemming and hawing and whining, and they never, they've never really told us what's up with Riker and Troy. If this whole thing hinges on a history that Riker and Troy have, why are you why are you still playing coy with it? This episode would have really benefited from flashbacks about how they knew each other and and how they spent that time and how they got close and sort of maybe even what happened to tear them apart before they met again at Farpoint. Uh, there's, there's fucking any context about our actual characters in a show that ended up being mostly about other things. It was a show about Talarians. It was a show about the fiancé dude. It was a show about Loxana. Like, what made this Star Trek? What made this an Enterprise adventure? I don't know. Sound the nitpick, Klaxon. It's nitpick time! I normally don't point these things out, because, you know, like, it's TV. You do what you can, you're not always going to get it right. But there was a a shot-to-shot continuity error that was really fucking egregious when um, Mr. Hum, Mr. Hum, whatever his name is, the the tall man, locks on his valet, he bows when she's going in on the mom at the engagement party. And the way they do it is they're on a wide shot that shows both him and Loxana, and she's going in. And then they cut to a close-up of just him, and he bows. And he's deepest in his bow when they cut back to the wide, and he's just standing up again. And then they cut to, like, a really wide, a far wide from, like, the other side of the party, and he's coming up from the bow. And it was just really obvious. Normally, like I said, normally I wouldn't point this out, but that was no, that was no bueno, guys. That's what happens when you rush making the episodes, like I said last time. And I didn't... I did not hate this episode as much as many previous episodes. 
uh, I was not quite as bored and I was not quite as infuriated. And if I had to give this an Earl Grey scale rating, and I reckon if I talk to Paul, he'll tell me I have to, I'm going to give this Sickly Cool, which is the inverse of Sickly Warm. And so if you've been listening and you've got a good memory and you're doing the math right now, that would put Sickly Cool at just below, just below room temperature and just above Luke Cold. So I hope you are all building a sort of uh, thermometer chart in your head, a nice visualization there. Maybe we'll get something up on the site eventually for that. But uh, Sickly Cool. This was Sickly Cool, which is not not on the higher end of the scale, let's say. Say something nice! I've got good things to say, though. The production and uh, the cast seem to have gotten into their roles a little bit. Uh, things are running smoother. Things are looking a little better. The actors are more inside their characters with a little more subtlety and consistency. Uh, it's not as grating to watch a badly written show when it's being made and acted a bit more competently. And as far as details go, towards the beginning, the physical comedy bit with the really heavy luggage and Picard saying he can take it, and then the, the tall man ended up taking it, that was funny. We know now Stuart's good at the comedy and the physical comedy, so it's nice to see it reach that far back into his uh, IMDb page. Obviously, Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy, amazing when she's on screen, lights up the place, chewing the scenery, fun, a lot of fun. And uh, while we're on the guest stars, Robert Nepper, I've never had to say his name out loud, Robert Knepper. He was Samuel on the fourth season of Heroes. He's the uh, the evil dad of the De Beers character on iZombie. He's really fun. He's good. And I've never seen him this young. And he's killing it. He was really engaging and really real and really uh, fully developed as a person. And that really, really helped having both uh, Nepper and uh, Barrett Roddenberry in this episode. Otherwise, this thing would have tanked so often in these episodes with mediocre scripts it depends on who gets cast in these one-off roles and the casting department did a good job this time a couple of small just minor little detail things while they were sitting around the magic conference table talking about the Talarian war there was a nice little bit about the sort of generation gap and the changing teaching standards at the Academy in San Francisco, where because Picard has been out of the Academy for some time, he didn't know a lot about this, but Jordy, who's a mite younger, is like, oh yeah, they teach that now. They really, they cover that a lot. And it was just a little thing, a little detail, a little world building, more immersive and even though it was a little overdone, and uh, I would like to think that in future seasons they would have been able to do this with more subtlety, the fact that Data was just fascinated by the petty bickering, it was really fun. Often Data can bring you one moment of like, oh, look at Data in any given episode, and this was that one. Somebody needs to get on top of the situation and fix it! To fix this episode... Listen, listen carefully. I'm going to break it down point by point. To fix this episode, I would have made it a half hour. I would have made it black and white. I would have made it in the very early 60s. I would have been Rod Serling. And this would have been an episode of The Twilight Zone because this was not about 
Star Trek. This was not about the crew. This was not about Enterprise. This was a random episode from a sci-fi anthology show. What it was really about, an arranged marriage taking place on a defenseless pleasure planet where the groom thought he had been in contact with his eventual wife but had actually been in contact with a member of this dying race and that's the reveal at the end and he leaves with the dying race to help them because he's a doctor none of that has anything to do with Star Trek or the Enterprise or the crew or Starfleet or the Federation or the Ferengi or anything having to do with this show at all as I mentioned I suppose if you did uh, a bunch of flashbacks and really zeroed in on the Riker and Troy angle, the uh, the sort of Bill and Deanna angle. You could have made it an episode of Enterprise Adventure. Um, but why bother? It's basically already, in concept if nothing else, a decent episode of The Twilight Zone. Why fuck around? Just time travel back to before... Star Trek 66 even existed. Make it an episode of The Twilight Zone. Pitch it to Rod Serling. Why not? I haven't edited this, obviously. I'm still in front of the mic here, but looking at the timestamp, seems like this one is going to be a bit short. There wasn't much here. I don't know how an episode can both bore and confound me. But they managed to do it. Still, though, it's not... Offensive. It doesn't, like, make me angry that it exists, which it was sort of doing in the beginning. And uh, that is going to have to be enough to give me hope to continue watching Next Gen, to continue making these podcasts, uh, to continue giving out my opinion to you, the audience, which I totally have, and isn't just imaginary, isn't just uh, Paul being the only one listening and giving me notes, because... I will see you next time.